Out of Tonsilla Files, welcome to another episode of Escaping the Cave. This is, was, and probably could be again one day, the Tonsilla X-Pod. That's what it was originally called. Years ago, almost 10 years ago now, you believe that? Doing this podcasting thing for 10 years. <sighs> You'd think I'd be better at it by now, huh? <clears throat> How you doing? This is going to be episode number 120. 120. That seems like a significant number to me. I don't know why. <laughs> I think I hit 100 back. <laughs> was it 2020 maybe? 2021? It's taken me a long time to get from 100 to 120. And here I am doing another one of these things. This is a this is a doozy today if it comes off like I think it's going to. Like I have it planned. Planned. As I record this, it's July the 31st, 2023. Probably going to be released, I would think, August 1st. That may be when it uh, gets shat into your podcatcher. The last podcast came out better than I thought it was going to. (laughs) Took me a while to get going. Uh, The second 45 minutes is a lot better than the first part. That's for sure. Uh... But there's one thing that stuck out in my mind, uh, probably a couple, but the one that I'm going to address today is I, I left this sort of a, a confusing impression when I was comparing our relativist friends, people who are relativists who have this concept that their perception is in fact their reality, right? And then I was chastising and condemning these people. Uh, but then I was giving praise to this Buddhist sect that uh, claimed that people are just physically incapable of comprehending reality, that we do not have the tools to see the world as it is. And I think I may have given some people the impression that I was condemning one, uh, praising the other, but they were basically saying the same thing. I think the distinction that I'm drawing in my head is that the relativists treat their reality their personal reality as the real thing. Like, that's all that matters. Well, this is what I see, so that's what is. Whereas the Buddhists have the humility to at least admit that, yeah, how we perceive the world with these defective and faulty tools of perception, at least we understand it's not real, that we are flawed. Whereas the relativists, they always give me the impression that, well, what I think is because that's what I see So it must be real. It's real to me. I can't stand that. I just can't. So anyway, other than that, the rest of the podcast is pretty good. In fact, uh, I'm going to continue the theme a little bit today. And like I said, it's going to be, if I pull this off, it's going to be a doozy. One of the problems that I've had over the last few years, I've got, I I wish I, I, well, I do have a camera here. I, I guess I could possibly show you, but I've got piles of paperwork lying around here. Now, most of this stuff has been put either into a box, into a little bin that I have. I've got manila folders that are sort of holding these things that are separated out by topic. Uh, A lot of stuff that I've written and never published anywhere, stuff that I've taken from Facebook, stuff that I've taken from chats with people over the years, like 10, 12 years. That all applies to the stuff that I talk about here on the podcast. It's impossible, really, to organize it. 
it's overwhelming when I when I go to try to figure out when I have a topic, when I have a, a, a target that I want to talk about. I don't know where to go get this stuff because I've already written it. And it's stuff that I've forgotten a lot of times. It triggers this entirely new perspective, a new train of thought based on old stuff that I've written a long time ago. But I have no concept of how to put it together into one cohesive and coherent stream. So I guess, let me go back a little bit. And the reason that I'm mentioning this is because I know I've got all this stuff. And I know that when I go out and I try to talk about something, when I, when I sit down at the microphone and I want to talk about something, I feel like I've already got the material out there, right? And that I should go get it, but I can't. I, it's, in literal, it, it's almost impossible, not literally, but it's almost impossible for me uh, to go and efficiently find all of this stuff, any of this stuff, because some of it's buried like there's one topic here, there's another chunk here. And I need this chunk to put with this chunk to put with that chunk back there. And maybe that quote from that book over there. And I, you know, to, to do this, it gets frustrating. And you combine that with the stuff I was talking about last night as far as like the existential crap. <laughs> I just don't, right? It occurred to me today, <clears throat> tonight, this evening, trying to decide if I wanted to release another one of these or just let the other one sit there and marinate. You know, wouldn't it be better to just take the stuff you've got, whether or not, whether or not <laughs> it's congruous with everything else, wouldn't it be better to take that stuff and just put it out there one little piece at a time rather than doing nothing? A bad podcast? Uh, an incomplete podcast? Isn't that better than no podcast? That's an interesting thought. So that's what I'm going to do today. Now, a lot of this stuff... Most of it, I believe, has never been published, released, uploaded. I don't think I've published most of the stuff anywhere else on the internet. I may have uh, had some of the stuff could be from conversations maybe on Facebook or chats, like I said earlier. Some of it may have found its way into other podcasts. Uh, but I want to take this stuff and I want to uh, add to uh, what I put out over the weekend. I think I'm keeping my wife awake. <laughs> First thing I want to talk about, we had a uh, another files release this week. Now, I never got to talking about the uh, Twitter file stuff with Elon Musk. I meant to. It's right up my alley. Matt Taibbi is the one journalist that I pay to have his stuff delivered to me. I respect the hell out of Matt Taibbi. You know how I know that he's authentic and that he's probably saying exactly what he thinks? Because he's been vilified by both sides. Nobody likes him. No camp, no cult, no compound likes Matt Taibbi because he doesn't say anything <laughs> consistently that falls into their lap, that supports their particular narrative. So I was very interested in the Twitter files. I was very, <clears throat> very happy when Elon Musk uh, first took over, took charge of Twitter. Uh, but then something happened, I think, with Taibbi, actually, uh, where Musk decided to add like a disinformation tag 
to anything from Substack. I think he was targeting, maybe he, he might have been targeting Taibi himself. I don't remember. I post a lot of stuff or posted a lot of stuff to Twitter from Substack. And there was this flag, this tag on it, like a disinformation. This could be disinformation. What he wanted to do is he's basically trying to uh, eliminate the competition that was coming from Twitter because of their, what do they call those things? They've got some Twitter-esque feature that I obviously never use, but that pissed Musk off. When I saw that, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. And uh, I went out, that's why I went out and deleted, didn't deactivate it, I deleted uh, Twitter. Got rid of my account. I'm no longer on the Twitter. That probably should have happened a really long time ago, but uh, it's finally done. It happened a few months ago. But Matt Taibbi, he's the one guy that I've decided to keep paying every month to get his material. Nobody else. And it's simply because of what he did with the Twitter files. Not only interesting, they were insightful. You know, those, those internal correspondence, as with the vac uh, COVID origin stuff that we're seeing right now, pretty much confirm what a lot of us already knew. Knew what was going on with these, these social media companies. And now, I'll back up a little bit. One of the things that I said back at the beginning of the year was that I really wanted to see uh, a Facebook version of the Twitter files. Because if it's happening at Twitter, you know damn well the government was attempting to have an influence on what was being disseminated what narrative, what angle, censoring the most powerful social media platform on earth. If they're doing it at Twitter, you know goddamn well they were doing it over at Facebook, and I really wanted those internal communications. I wanted to know. It doesn't change anything. Can't go backwards and fix it, right? But at least you can know. And we get a clearer image of what's really happening between the government and these social media companies. Now, one of the things that people have always said was that, well, these platforms, they can set their own uh, terms of service. They can censor anybody they want to. It doesn't. It has nothing to do with the First Amendment because Facebook is not the government. Right? They're a private entity, a private company, so it's not really a First Amendment issue. Ah, but when the government is basically putting Facebook or Twitter in between themselves and violating the Constitution, the First Amendment, they're inflicting censorship. The actual First Amendment kind of censorship, they're influencing that through an intermediary, Facebook and Twitter. When the government gets involved in censoring you, I don't know, you can go find an attorney to argue this if you want to, in my opinion, in my mind, thinking of the spirit of the First Amendment, when the government is influencing it under maybe some implicit threat of more congressional hearings, if you don't. Hmm. And of course, with the COVID origin stuff, now they're influencing what's coming out of the these scientific nature science. Is it nature science? Is that what it was? Not going to talk too much about that yet. But the Facebook file stuff. Yeah, very interested. <laughs> and uh, had to have a conversation with Matt a couple of days ago, and he was talking about back in the 1960s, how having these extremist wingnuts on the left, these batshit crazy you know, weather underground blowing things up, just the extremists, the, the real far left wingnut extremists, having them on the scene, 
turning themselves into agitation propaganda to people who disagree with them, making themselves as unsavory as possible to people who disagree with them. He asked whether having those people in the spotlight nationwide actually helped the CIA and the military-industrial complex countering the anti-war movement and the social stuff that was going on in the 1960s. Give cover to the CIA having a file on MLK, right? That kind of stuff. And it got me thinking about it. It's, well, yeah, it had to, right? Because if you've got these examples over here, we're blowing things up. You've got riots. You've got uh, these mass demonstrations. You know, the communist thing making its little wave back. It comes, communism's like herpes in this country. It comes back in waves. <laughs> it's like you've got an outbreak every 20, 30, 40 years or whatever. But having them on the scene gave them cover because look at these guys, right? You think we're bad? We need to do this because of, of them. Had to help. Now, I mentioned all this because the problem with the Facebook file stuff, Jim Jordan, complete MAGA wingnut. I can't stand him. I have never liked Jim Jordan. I cannot stand the, the sight of this man. You talk, he's one of the faces of whatever the, the Tea Party has morphed into now. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Bobert. He's part of that. He's one of them. But he's the guy, savvy politician that he is, who got his hands on a release of stuff, right? Didn't he subpoena these files and then released them, right? And outside of Trump town, Jim Jordan has zero credibility. None. The only people taking him seriously is the, the MAGA, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Bobert crowd. The only one's listening. And me. I'm listening to that. <laughs> I'm not going to listen to much else he says. But other than that, nobody else is really willing to listen to him any more than Republicans are going to listen to Adam Schiff. Trust matters. He's been left rotten in a cornfield. The people he wants to reach, many of the people that Jim Jordan wants to reach with this stuff, I'm not going to listen to him. They don't trust him. They don't like him. That's another thing. Likeability. Huge. You turn yourself into a living, breathing piece of agitation propaganda yourself. Well, you see that everywhere. I've talked about this before. I won't go too far into it, but it's like Ted Nugent, Kid Rock, the Dixie Chicks, Aldine, that is his name, Jason Aldine now, right? It's amazing how few Democrats and liberals like Kid Rock, right? How amazing the coincidence that their political leanings always line up with <laughs> their opinion on his music. Ted Nugent, he's a perfect example. Now, you can't get 10 people to agree on which movie to go see or where to go eat, but by God, you can get millions and millions and millions of political critters to line up against a song, against an artist, against something because of the political leanings of the artist. It's amazing how those taste things line up, isn't it? Yeah, what a coincidence. Anyway, I can also say that from personal experience, uh, not wanting to be associated with uh, batshit factions has definitely affected me. Now, as rapidly anti-woke as I am, as I have always been, I still don't want to be aligned and associated with Trump, Jim Jordan, 
Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Walsh, none of them. It's causing me problems with this podcast. There are liberals who don't want anything to do with people like AOC, the DEI or DIE stuff. Don't want anything to do with it. A lot of liberals feel that way too. They know what that is. They don't want anything to do with the trans cult either. But they're out there. So they're afraid to, I don't know, maybe jump in the fray. Beyond that, it goes a bit further, though, into the idea that extremists turn otherwise sympathetic ears and potential allies into actual antagonists. It's part of the boomerang effect that I've talked about. You can go find that in millions of places, it seems like, in this podcast back here. Jonathan Heights Elephant as well. If people don't like someone personally, they'll almost always find a way to disagree with everything they say and do. Even if they align with their previously held beliefs, if they suddenly find that person distasteful, suddenly they're going to find a way to rationalize and rhetorically masturbate until they are coming out against and arguing and going in conflict with this person that they now don't like. You see this our whole lives. It amazes me. As supposedly rational adults, we haven't left elementary school. We've just gotten, I guess, more sophisticated in our cliques. Reason and objective opinion gets tossed aside. Situations like this. Music, comedy, like I said, the perfect examples. Nugent, Kid Rock, never going to write good music in the eyes of those who just loathe them as people because of their political opinions or whatever. Comedians have to be likable. Learn this in Chicago. <laughs> when I was delusional enough to think I could do stand-up comedy, that was one of the first things I learned. I was like, oh, shit. Likeability is important because if... The audience doesn't like you if you're not likable. They're not going to like your jokes. You could be George Carlin. But if George Carlin goes on stage and the audience hates him, not going to find him amusing. They're going to find him repugnant, not funny. Cable news works that way. You know, to somebody who watches MSNBC all the time, Rush Limbaugh never spoke a useful word. Fox News viewers, Rush Limbaugh listeners, think they have any use for Rachel Meadow? Whoever's over there, Joy Reid, there's one for you. And uh, this is, you know, if you think about it, this is the real damage that's been done by the agitprop, this agitation propaganda, the for-profit hate incorporated, nod to Matt Taibbi, crowd, the media. If you can make people hate each other, you end dialogue, you end compromise, and any sense that there's any notion of common good, commonality, right? Contrary to uh, popular, <laughs> try to say that again, contrary to popular, and there it is, there's that word, narcissistic belief, hatred, that is the most powerful human emotion, hatred. Oh, it's love, love, cure, love conquers everything. Bullshit. Hatred is the most powerful human emotion. It's also the easiest one to stoke. Horror stories about the evil invading hordes of the enemy within. And those stories, those horror stories take over. The already tenuous human connection to reason severed becomes an episode of There Will Be Blood, rhetorical or otherwise, blood. Can't quantitatively say, now we look back to the 60s, how much of an impact all of this stuff had. Historically speaking, I guess with you know, 50, 60 years of hindsight, maybe it's possible to do that, but I don't think there's any question, regardless of quantity. Measurability. There's no question that having the hippies, having communists on the scene helped the CIA, helped the Pentagon back then. It had to. But now, Jim Jordan being the whistleblower, 
It's giving cover to the, uh, the gatekeeper industrial complex now, right? Because it's coming from him. It gives people permission to dismiss it. Now, when you're talking about agitation propaganda, you're talking about spreading hatred. Now, going back to Jacques Ellul real quick, agitation propaganda is the agitation, the propaganda. Agitation propaganda is the propaganda of an insurgency, of revolution. Hatred is the most effective means. If you can agitate into a state of rage, divide the population against each other, make them hate each other, you destabilize. You destabilize the population, make it easier to take over. Over the last uh, 15 years or so, it used to be cable news, talk radio. That used to be the primary means that the sort of agitation was deployed for profit. Again, go back to the Media 101 podcast. Won't get into that today, but that's changed. It's no longer cable news. It still is cable news, but not primarily. It's not the primary delivery mechanism of agitation propaganda in this country, of that propaganda of insurgency, of revolution, of division. Since 2007, 2008, it's become social media, without a doubt. Continues to evolve now. Artificial intelligence? <laughs> I need to learn more about this, about AI. You know what it is. I have a very basic idea how it works. But what I do know... <laughs> I did an interview. I interviewed ChatGPT. I have it uh, recorded. Well, no, I don't. All right. Uh, I put it into my software, audio editing software, and gave it a voice. I asked it to explain to me what propaganda was. I asked it to explain how MSNBC uses propaganda. I asked it to explain to me how uh, Fox News uses propaganda. And then I uh, asked it to uh, do the same thing with NPR. <laughs> Also, the relationship between propaganda and psychology and how technology and propaganda work. I think you get four or five questions. And those were the questions I decided to ask it. <laughs> That's what, that comes with the free account, right? It did pretty well on the uh, propaganda and technology, propaganda psychology stuff. It wasn't bad. But you could tell a difference when it got to NPR. <laughs> I'm going to put this together. I, 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 I gave it a voice because I'm going to use it in the podcast at some point. Look out for that. Anyway, I did this interview with it because I understand enough about it to know that when it's programmed properly and it becomes sophisticated enough, that technology, leave the deep fakes alone for a minute, that technology is going to be able to produce Propaganda on a scale and speed that we have never, not even now, have seen. You're going to have, instead of a propagandist, you're going to have a computer program. Imagine Goebbels. They're just going to be refining it and refining it. They know the psychological principles. They know it because ChatGPT gave it to me. <laughs> right? So they understand it. Somebody understands it or it's going to figure it out itself and then it's going to be able to use those exploits to create instantaneous light speed propaganda. Combine it with algorithms now. These uh, social media algorithms, Google, you know, they know your interests, they know your age, they know your demographic, they know where you live. <laughs> you don't think they know? They know. So they're going to be able to craft personalized pieces of propaganda at light speed. 
and disseminated at light speed. You think we have a problem with reality now? You think we have a problem with disinformation now? <laughs> That's where we're going. I promise you. I haven't heard anybody talk about that. Nobody, you know, that supposedly is an expert. That'll be fun, huh? But until it gets here, it's still uh, social media at this point. I still use Facebook. Use Instagram occasionally. I just post reels up there. I have never touched Facebook's version of Twitter. I never will. I've never even looked at the download page. I'm on Twitch, obviously. That's sort of a social media, I guess. Uh, but my social media usage, as compared to where it was, I guess, five, ten years ago, it's, it's nowhere near. But I still do use it. And uh, I said a couple of years ago, and I've only gotten further down this road, that I, I, I fully support the annihilation of Facebook, Twitter, all of them, Instagram. I would be happy. If for whatever reason, they just went away tomorrow. A lot of reasons for that. Near the top of it, Marshall McLuhan's phrase, aphorism, the media is the message. And social media encourages us to not only dehumanize them, the other, but cheers us on as we actually dehumanize ourselves. Who's more dehumanized when it comes to agitation propaganda? You may feel like you're dehumanizing the other person attacking the other person, but it's your own humanity. That's <laughs> really under assault, right? Washington's going to eventually succeed in exploiting these new, <laughs> not really new, but very real, social media disease symptoms. Remember, I wrote this a couple years ago. Either going to censor, regulate, or shutter, close these companies. Censor, regulate, or close these companies. This was long before the Twitter files. When I put this together. And they're going to do it in the name of the children or general public's mental health, national security, or disinformation. We've got to manage disinformation, so we need to censor you. <laughs> so we're only going to get what we approve of. I think I was talking about this in 2019, actually. But uh, gatekeepers are coming. That's what I was saying. The gatekeepers are coming. The gatekeepers are coming. We're moving steadily in that direction. <laughs> Clearly. And uh, we're getting the help, going back to what I was talking about before, with millions and millions of Manchurian agitprop agents. All this hatred flowing around, turning people against each other. Again, it, gets, it gives cover to those who want to do something that they normally wouldn't have the cover to do. goes back to what Matt asked about this in the 1960s. We're dealing in a state, we're frolicking in a state of informational anarchy at this point. Don't know truth from falsehood. Disinformation, propaganda, falsehoods, everything. Nobody knows what to think. Trust is gone. Data overload. Talked about it a million times. Even if they wanted to, people don't have the mental resources of the time to figure everything out, for the, to sort through every piece of informational bullshit that comes their way every single day. They don't have the time. They don't have the brain power, even if they do have the time. Well, it gives cover to the official word, the experts. Trust the science, even though we've seen that the science in some influence from somewhere higher up gives cover to all this stuff. Said that the woke, our woke flake friends, are going to leap aboard the social media regulation train. Of course they are. Of course they are. 
Why? Because aside from uh, the far-right social media mobs and batshit fringe programs, Hannity, OAN, used to be Tucker, despite all that stuff, the left virtually owns social and major media. Controls it. Controls most social media and controls most media outlets. That's why Fox News is so popular. <laughs> because the left owns pretty much everything else. And there's only one major place to go for conservative viewpoints. So they're all funneled into the same place. Whereas CNN, MSNBC, NPR, all fragmented a little bit. But there are more of those outlets than there are conservative ones. So the left is obviously going to support this. Because it's their viewpoint that's going to be protected. If they can muzzle, marginalize, or completely cancel these uh, crazed people from their viewpoint, they can easily chill the sane oppositional forces. Sane. The not crazy oppositional forces. Put a chilling effect on dissent. Dissent from sensible people. They don't want to get canceled. What happens with censorship? That's one of the, the major effects of censorship. The chilling effect it has on rational people. You're not just silencing the nut jobs. You're silencing the sensible people who also may disagree with you. They don't want to step up. God, you're seeing that all over the place today. There are a lot of liberals out there that just, they, they despise the uh, racial division stuff. The identity politics, the identity Cleaving apart the, the entire body of the nation based on identity, this DEI bullshit. I know so many liberals, they just loathe it, but they can't stand, they can't stand up. They can't, they're so afraid to, to say anything. And God forbid you go to your DEI meeting and hear how you're <laughs> inherently an oppressor. That you're automatically racist because you're white. You're automatically an oppressor because you're white. God forbid you stand up, say, fuck you. What's going to happen to you? God forbid you stand up and resist your re-education seminar. I know there are millions of these people out there that disagree with this shit. They don't like Trump. They hate Trump. They're still liberals. They're still leaning to the left, but they hate this stuff. And they can't stand up. They're afraid to stand up. I guess maybe that's the best way to, to look at it. They're going to be called a racist. They're going to be called a fascist. This happened years ago. I could never figure out. Back when I was railing against the Tea Party 10, 12 years ago, never figure out. I knew sensible Republicans. I knew there were smart Republicans out there. Smart conservatives were out there. I knew them personally. I'd run into them traveling. I knew this. Where are the sensible Republicans? I kept asking, where are the sensible Republicans? Why aren't they standing up? Probably the same reason. Afraid of getting tarred and feathered in the street. In the metaphorical street. On the digital public square, perhaps. I don't know. But it makes sense. When your group is in a frenzied state, when the mob is getting ready to tear someone limb from limb, what are you supposed to do? Are you really supposed to stand in front of the mob and protect this poor person and sacrifice yourself to the mob as well? Well, that's the noble thing. Yeah, that's not what most people do. Lenny Bruce has a piece on this, I think. Talking about the Kennedy assassination. She ran. She was supposed to run. I don't, I don't remember exactly what it was, but he, he, this bit is coming to mind. Truth is what is. What should be is a fantasy, that bit. But I understand it now. I understand why people 
don't because their self-interest is paramount, first and foremost. Nobody's really that altruistic. You're going to give, you're going to sacrifice yourself? No, you're not. So yeah, talking about chilling, sane oppositional voices at the same time. And once you can do that, you completely own the congregational pulpit. The megaphone is yours and yours alone. You have the conscious, is that what that was called? Lord of the Flies? You own it. You don't have to give it to anybody else. You don't have to listen to anybody else. And you can preach the woke word completely uncontested. Without dissent. Now, this is where it gets a little dicey. I go back and forth on this, I think. Let me just say it. It's from a couple of years ago. This is in podcasts back there, probably around 2020, 2021. As far as the gatekeepers go and their relationship to informational anarchy and the democratization of opinion. I'm not 100% sure they're wrong here. I could see the point of view a couple of years ago where the entire point, as far as the gatekeepers are coming, where it boiled down to another quote. One of my favorite quotes of all time from Walter Lippmann, a people who cannot distinguish truth from falsehood doesn't remain free. It still, still does not matter why or who's to blame for the state of informational anarchy. In an evenly split and increasingly fanatical society, the informational variety will lead to some degree of literal anarchy. If you can't tell the truth from falsehood, it doesn't matter why, you will not remain free. It will lead to a state, eventually, some degree of anarchy. Won't be nothing you can measure anymore. It's a Leonard Cohen song, right? You only got to trust your group. Your group is the only one that's going to have access to the truth. Everybody else in this state of informational anarchy, anybody who, you can't verify anything. There's no trusted source anymore. So you're going to pick a side and go with it. That's what informational anarchy is. A trait of it. A part of it. Constitution does not guarantee you the right to a handheld global broadcast device. These things, it's exactly what these phones are now. They're handheld global broadcast devices. You can reach anybody on the planet. You can podcast to Siberia right now. But the Constitution does not grant you the right to that thing without accountability. It's not covered under free speech anyhow. But even if it was, there's another quote that talks about the chaff of silliness, where the problems caused by unaccountable free speech the bullshit of free speech causes so many problems that people start clamoring to have some sense of order restored. And this might be the most damaging part of the Trump years. It, it, it unleashed both uh, deranged ideological krakens, both of them. This is what happened during the Trump era. Both factions, both of these krakens <laughs> slithered out of their cage, both from the left and from the right, the Trump bots and the woke flakes. Here's the thing, though. Moonbeam and Bubba... Both of these extremists are flip sides of the same fanatical coin. Republicans and Democrats are not the enemy. doesn't matter what side you're on. The Republicans are not the enemy. The Democrats are not the enemy. Not to us in general. Not to the general population. Not to the sanctity of the country. Not to our freedoms. Not Republicans or the Democrats. It's the fanatics. The Puritans. 
the madmen in Didion's words. The people who were ready to force their worldview down your throats. Try to be sure you're not one of them. Ah, wow. <clears throat> Voice not good tonight. Comes and goes. I need to take a break. Absolutely needed a break right there. <laughs> Going to shut this one down for today for this episode right here. There's a lot more coming. It's cut. It's canned. It's going to be uploaded probably tomorrow or the day after. It's a doozy. <laughs> if you're not woke, if you don't like woke flakeism, <laughs> stay tuned. Come back, check that one out. Hope you enjoyed this one. TonzillaX at gmail.com. That's the email address you can get me over at Twitch at uh, TonzillaX. It's where I record the video aspect of this beast. Do live streams and stuff over there. You can give me a follow. It'll give you a ping whenever I do. Kind of chime in if you want. It's got a chat feature. It's live. <laughs> Not a video guy. Also, check out the YouTube channel. TonzillaX over there as well. Substack, obviously. Anything else? On Instagram. No Facebook. Or I'm sorry, no Twitter. There's a Facebook page too, but bleh. Anyway, thanks for clicking in. We'll talk to you next time. So long.